Welcome to the Brave Feminine Leadership Podcast, where we share stories from amazing leaders just like you and me. We break down myths of leadership, imposter syndrome, and we ask what brave feminine leadership means and does it need to change? All of these interviews were originally recorded in video format. Follow us on Instagram or Facebook at Brave Feminine Leadership for news on when new video series will be dropping. It's wonderful to meet you. Drop me a note if the content resonates. Melissa at bravefeminineleadership.com. Let's get brave. Welcome to our Brave Feminine Leadership interview series. I'm absolutely thrilled to be welcoming this morning to our conversation, Juggy Sahota, uh, all the way from Vancouver, Canada. Welcome, Juggy. Thank you so much, Melissa. It's a delight to be here with you today. Juggy, um, I will launch briefly into a short bio and then we'll get straight into our conversation. So Juggy is a telecommunications executive with more than 20 years of leadership experience and one of Vancouver Magazine's Power 50 in 2019. <coughs> Juggy is currently the Vice President of Consumer Health for TELUS. TELUS is one of Canada's largest telecommunication companies. Juggy and her team at TELUS Health are revolutionising access to healthcare in Canada by launching innovative tech solutions. Juggy, I can't wait to hear your, your story and your journey. So can I ask for people who haven't had the pleasure of coming across you before, can you share with our audience a little bit about you and, and your journey and, and perhaps who you are as a human being? Sure, uh, would love <laughs> would love to. Um, yeah, it's a heavy question, but I I, I understand the, the reason why, and so I'll, I'll maybe share a little bit about my background. So yeah, I've I've spent um, a long time, more than half my lifetime, uh, in in at Telus, uh, which is Canada one of Canada's largest telecommunications companies, uh, and actually we're Canada's largest healthcare IT company. Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of people might not know that, but. Uh, and I and so I've, I've I've grown and had many different careers during that tenure uh, of being with this organization. I've grown up uh, in this company, but uh, I've 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 actually worked in a number of different areas. When I started uh, working here, I had intentions of working for the United Nations and changing the world, and this was a means for me to pay off my university uh, tuition. And then I never left. Um, I never have, would have thought that I would be able to uh, to have such a, a, a really interesting and fulfilling career, very diverse uh, career in an organization uh, like the phone company. Uh, but we're certainly so much more than that, which is the reason why I have uh, I've stayed as long as I have. And so when I started, it was uh, just a, a part-time thing and uh, I was working in uh, our mobility marketing area. So when cell phones used to be this big and then, then they started to get to be this big, uh, and uh, I, I worked uh, at, um, uh, you know, marketing this, and we were just on a major growth uh, trajectory at that time. And I was in the marketing area of, uh, of our mobility division. And every day I would, I was the, I was the youngest one uh, on the team. I got a great opportunity, Melissa. And every day I would come into work thinking, what am I doing here? I don't belong here. Uh, all these people are so much smarter than I am. And uh, probably today I will get fired. And, uh, and that, that was... <laughs> That was a pretty uh, humbling experience for me, but it but it but it taught me a lot. Uh, from there, I went on to successive uh, areas or, or with emerging technology uh, through my career in this organization. So, 
I went from there into working on wireless internet after wireless internet, working on, you know, voice technologies, uh, you know, thing, things, think of it as like Siri 0.0 way back when. And, uh, and then I moved into some mergers and acquisition uh, opportunities in our organization. I got some great mentorship uh, roles. Uh, then I spent time working on our TV product uh, and then leading the operations division of the TV product. And, um, you know, and then what happened, so I, so I ran the gamut of marketing and sales and technology, uh, and, and then it became very deliberate in terms of, you know, making sure I'm moving to different functional areas. And I had a tremendous mentorship from our CEO, uh, Darren Entwistle, that helped me along the way uh, on that front and, and, and helped me see that as I diversify my leadership journey, my value to the organization uh, increases my leadership uh, also quantum uh, changes uh, dramatically and to continue to seek out areas where I haven't been uh, to develop a really broad leadership set. Uh, and then, then what actually happened at that time was I enjoyed a really fulfilling career in this organization across all of those dimensions. Um, and then my, my, my mom actually uh, ended up uh, in hospital and she was a very healthy uh, woman. She was one of the most optimistic, she is one of the most optimistic people that I've ever uh, come across and she's the kindest person I'll ever know. Uh, and she was really healthy. She's been, she's vegetarian and she takes care of herself, et cetera. And she was just in her early sixties. And, um, you know, we were admitted into the hospital for what, you know, they were telling us at the time that looked like it was like indigestion or, or something like that. And after several hours of testing, uh, told us that, yeah, it looks like it's indigestion or her symptoms look like it's indigestion. And, you know, she should probably be discharged with uh, some medicine for that until the very last test that came back, which was a troponin test. Uh, which is a heart enzyme test that sort of indicates to you that the heart muscle is being damaged. And at that time, it took, you know, hours for that test to show that result. And then that's what they told us. They said, actually, uh, your mother, uh, who is the most important person in my life, is actually suffering a heart attack. And, you know, that's bad enough. What made matters significantly worse for us is that it was happening on Good Friday in Canada, which is a stat holiday. Yes. And what it meant was that the, the teams that were required to do angioplasty, uh, what have you, were not uh, working that day. Mm. So they told us that it'll take you a few days to get um, booked in for the procedure that you needed. And I thought, this is Canada. We have one of the best healthcare systems in the world, don't we? Uh, why can't we get access to, to the healthcare uh, that's required at this point in time? And so long story short, uh, had to reach out to a number of different people in my network, didn't really want to do that, uh, didn't want to share all the stuff that was going on. Uh, but, but certainly uh, the network proved to be incredibly supportive. Uh, my mom did get moved to a hospital uh, where uh, she did get the emergency angioplasty. She actually had 100% occlusion in one of her arteries. Oh, wow. So who knows what would have happened after a few days of waiting and saved her life. And what I said to my, and, and my mom is the type of person where she was getting rolled into uh, having the interventional cardiology that she needed at that time, the support that she needed was uncomfortable that she was getting special treatment. And she said, what about all the other families that are waiting, et cetera? And I said, look, they're calling in the cath lab uh, in the hospital. The other people that are waiting are also going to get treatment. And I commit to you that you be well, and I will spend the next phase of my life trying to make healthcare better for other people. And so that's what I did. I moved into our healthcare division from mm. that point. Wow. Um, uh, and your mother's okay? Yeah, she's great. 
uh, and uh, she's doing really, really well. And and she was she benefited from some incredible uh, healthcare leaders that took care of her, and uh, and she is uh, she's doing great, and I'm very grateful. That's fantastic. There's so many things that um, you know I would love us to cover around that um, at at the right time in our conversation. Um, just in terms of, you know, I'm, um, yeah, it's such a leading cause of death amongst females. Yes. And um, yet I think it's very much perceived as a, as a male um, disease. Um, yes. So. Um, Absolutely. I'm sorry. Our healthcare system, Melissa, sorry, our healthcare yeah. system is designed to recognize symptoms that are more prevalent in men, not in women. So women usually present with atypical symptoms. Mm -hmm. And so that's why it gets, you know, potentially misdiagnosed as indigestion, indigestion as opposed to it actually being a heart attack. That was one thing that I identified in that process for sure. So Juggy, um, you mentioned as part of that introduction that you've, um, there was a certain point in your career where you became more deliberate, I guess, about um, the sort of skills you were trying to pick up. What, how did that come about? You know, what was going on at that point that sort of got you there? Uh, I think, you know, one, one, of the, one of the most important things maybe to know about me, if I can be so bold to share, is, um, is how I define purpose in my life. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it starts from a very, very young age, right? Like even before I came to this organization, I wanted to figure out how I could contribute and better uh, the world around me. So my goal in life to this point right now is that I want to have the greatest positive impact on society uh, that I can have, leveraging all of my strengths and my platforms and doing this uh, through a lens of intersectionality. My, my leadership influence right now and up to this point really deliberately spans health and business and racial and social justice and gender equality and globalization. Uh, and, you know, I, I still have um, desires to also influence youth and the next generation of leaders. And I'm thinking about how and how I'll actually do that. Mm -hmm. And I, I'm achieving some of the goal, uh, some of this right now through my leadership in my professional capacity at TELUS, but also through my volunteering and my board and advisory work that I do. So I'm actually, I believe, feeling pretty content that I'm on my path now to fulfilling the real journey that I really want to be on. And I'm pretty sanguine in my disposition and I'm always striving for how things can be better, how I can be better and determining what role uh, that I play in that. And I, I think the most precious thing that we have in life is time. And so I think about how I'm spending my time, how I'm focusing my energy and my intellect on what matters most. And to me, that's extending and expanding my leadership uh, reach uh, so that I can drive as much societal good as I can. And so that, that then translates in being very intentional about where I'm spending my time and what, what roles that I'm taking on and you know, how I'm expanding my network. Because when you change your role in your job, you, you, you intentionally or unintentionally, in fact, are actually expanding your network. Mm -hmm. And you know, as you broaden your network, I, I've found that that's been one of the most effective uh, things to do as I'm pursuing my life's purpose and my life's journey uh, overall. Okay. So was it a deliberate um, focus to move into a, a kind of line role, a profit and loss role? Was that, you know, a, a part of the journey? 
Yeah, I think that, you know, when I started, it was more about, you know, operations, customer service type of thing, marketing uh, and sales and then technology development. Uh, and then I, I, I cut my teeth and spent a lot of time in, you know, complex operational leadership roles where I really think I learned the most about um, leadership and I learned the most about people uh, in operational roles, actually. So I led very, very large teams. And I couldn't be more different, right, than the average people that are in these operational groups, right? Like, so for instance, if you if you see, if you're, if you're familiar with telecommunications companies, you often see, you know, people in vans up on poles, you know, doing work, et cetera. So I led those field operations folks. Uh, and I wasn't, I wasn't, I wasn't going to seek that type of role out by myself. It was my mentor that said, you need to go there and demonstrate that you can lead large groups of these types of people and do it successfully. And then, then, then that'll be really important as you expand your leadership applicability. Uh, and I did that. And so that at that point, I, I really became more fascinated with people than I, than I was about technology easily. And I learned so much from the people that I, I was supporting and leading. And then after that, I, I thought, okay, well, I should be more deliberate about this. I should be, you know, what's, what's next on my list of things that I need to expand upon and learn. And uh, I think that as long as you decide that you're okay and comfortable being on a continuous learning journey, and I, I've done that, uh, you know, there's nothing to stop you from doing anything, uh, really. Uh, and if you approach that with humility, uh, you'll, you'll probably be received by a lot of people wanting to help to make you successful. Jaggi, when you and I um, first met, which feels like a long time ago now, one of the things you shared with me was the more senior you got, the more gender mattered in your career. I'd love to explore that with you. How did that show up? Yeah, so people, I think, um, so a lot of it has to do with self-awareness. And I find that people see you differently than perhaps you see yourself. And it's important to understand that um, because how you come across really will impact how effective you are uh, and, and how you're developing uh, your, in, in, in your own leadership capacity. And I think that as you ascend uh, in leadership, uh, you know, as you take on more and more responsibility, as a woman, you become more and more unique because there's less of you around and you become even more different uh, than everybody else that's around the table. And the expectations of you grow too from a representation perspective. And I, I started to feel that and the weight of that as I was moving up uh, and taking on more responsibility, there were you know, fewer and fewer and sometimes no women around that I could see and see an example of uh, or, or aspire towards. And I had to cut a lot of that uh, ground by, by myself. And I think that you, know, you have more responsibility if you care about the world. Uh, as, as, you, as you rise and it's a great opportunity to set an example and, and set a path forward. So I think that the, the opportunity is to lead with your head and your heart as a woman. And, uh, and that's, a, that's what I think that we need more of in any uh, discipline around the world, whether it's leading countries, leading companies, uh, leading communities. I think that you know, the more we have people matching their EQ with their IQ, uh, I think that we're gonna be a stronger and better society as a result. I'd love to ask you, it reminds me of a conversation I had the other day about and this self-awareness space is enormous um, in terms of leadership. Uh, you know, it was a comment about um, observing some leaders who unfortunately won't reach their full potential because they're not self-aware, they're not aware of the impact they're having on people around them. How did you get really clear on, you know, how did you become self-aware? 
I'm still on that journey, I would say. I don't think it's I don't think it's ever done. Uh, and I would say that I've made mistakes and let ego get in the way, particularly in early parts of my career. Mm -hmm. I was, um, you know, always focused on, you know, what does school teach us? School teaches us, like, I, I believe the greatest, I'm going to go on a tangent for a second. I think that, you know, school, school should teach us, uh, you know, you, you should go to school, really, the greatest value is to learn how to learn and, and learn how to work together. But really, what does school do for us, right? School teaches us to get the right answer. What are you rewarded for? You're rewarded for being right. And, you know, early on in my career, I was focused on that, right? I was focused on getting the right answer. I'm going for that A+. Plus, and yep. how do I get that A+. Plus? And, you know, if you're open to seeing what other people that are wiser than you are trying to teach you, you know, it'll be really interesting what you'll find. And so when very early on in my career, I had someone that, you know, wasn't necessarily a mentor of mine, but was a more senior leader than I was. Uh, and it was a male. And, you know, he told me, you know, uh, Juggy, you know, it's, it's really important to know the difference between being right and being successful. And you're certainly right. Huh. And I thought, I thought to myself, yes, I'm right. And then for a split second, I thought, oh, wait a minute, there's a learning here for me. And, and, you know, sure, I was right, but I was burning bridges. And I was, you know, not, not, not getting to long term outcomes, just getting to short term answers. And that, you know, that was a really important learning for me. And I, I encourage other people, I tell this story, and I'm like, you know, that was a really important self awareness opportunity for me. And I took it. Uh, and I thought long and hard about it. And it was, you know, really choose the mountains that you want to die on. And what do you want to really fight for and think and play the long game, not the short game. And, and what I really, really mean saying all of that is spend your time and energy building and cultivating relationships. And um, have you got advice for people on how to do that? Because, you know, there's if I throw networking on the table, some people feel very uncomfortable with the whole concept of networking. I mean, how have you found your sponsors, your mentors? I think at, at the very early part of my career, I sought them out. And I, and I thought to myself, okay, building my plan, need a coach, need a mentor. Mm. This person looks pretty good. I went and approached them and I asked them, would you be my mentor? Not really understanding what's actually going to happen from that point and made some mistakes in some of the people that I was reaching out to. They weren't interested in helping me. Uh, and that became pretty, pretty clear. Hurt your ego when you'd have a meeting be set up and they would cancel the meeting minutes before. And, you know, you'd think what's really going on here. And, and, and then what I realized is that for me anyway, and both being a mentor and as a mentee, that the most, the, the best way about that is an organic uh, way. Okay. And so when I have an issue or a challenge, uh, reaching out to someone and saying, could I get your help on something specific that I'm thinking about? Would you be interested in, can I take you out for coffee? Uh, can I just pick your brain? And I, I, what I've found in that is, is if you can make it easy for people to help you, they will always want to help you. Uh, and so breaking it down and keeping it light and keeping it organic and keeping it purposeful, uh, you know, makes the person feel good about the time that they're giving and the advice that they're giving. And, you know, for me, it gives me what I'm looking for. And that actually helps build a relationship. So it's, it's, it's different than, you know, going to an event, shaking hands, exchanging cards like that has never worked for me. 
but you know, as a leader too, um, I've had doors opened for me and uh, I've had people provide me with great insights and advice and support. And I, I bear that responsibility to do that for other people too. So I, like you, Melissa, I'm pretty busy, but my door is always open. And what does that mean? That means that if anyone, you know, especially people within our organization, you know, need to reach out to me and, and want to talk to me about something specific that they're facing or dealing with, as long as they can be patient with my calendar, I will make time and I will have that conversation. And, you know, from there, really great relationships have bloomed. So usually when you've got a problem that you're trying to solve or something that you're trying to think through, you can make a connection with someone else where you think would have value in, in, in providing with that advice. Take a chance at trying to set up a conversation. Keep it small, 30 minutes, so that you can start to establish rapport uh, going forward. And I'm, I'm not saying you should always take everybody's advice that they give you, but when you do, go back to that person and say, you know, this is what I did. Thank you. And here's actually what happened. And then, then again, that just builds more of a bond uh, with people. The second thing I would say uh, around networking and, and, and uh, building uh, relationships with mentors and such and spending time building relationships with people is change your job. So go work on a different team, not a different company. That's what I don't recommend to my team right now, okay? But move around. And you know, in a large organization like ours, we have the ability to do that. I recognize that that's not the case for everyone. But, but as you do move around, if you're deliberate and intentional about moving around after you've demonstrated that you can deliver in the area that you were, so you have to be there for a few years in order to make a difference, I would say. Mm -hmm. But when you do that, your network expands. And so I can tell you like one of my favorite roles that I've ever had in this organization, and I've actually been at, at an organization now 25 years, but one of my favorite roles is still that operations role uh, where I led all those field guys that were, you know, up on poles and in trucks. And they taught me the most about people and I have so much respect for them and I'm still in contact with them. And that, that role was 16 years ago. So uh, I think that that's, that's really important as you're thinking about building, building your network, keep it organic make it purposeful uh, around solving something is the reason for why you would be meeting with someone. Uh, I mean, make that problem solvable. Don't go with something massive that, you know, nobody can solve. And, uh, and, you know, be intentional about moving around in an organization if you have the luxury to do so. Those have been the things that have worked for me. Jackie, you shared a story with me um, that has just stayed in my mind. It was an experience of yours. And before I get to that actual point, I'm just going to introduce it by saying um, there's a really interesting um, TV series that's just aired here in Australia, and it's called Misrepresented, and it's, uh, it's about our political environment, and there's a lot of challenges going on in that space right now um, mm -hmm. with regards to gender issues in particular. And one of the things that came out was... Um, you know, one of our um, very long-term politicians bringing up a term gender deafness. And she was very used to being the only female at the table. And so she would experience situations that I think we all have in those situations where you put an idea on the table and it's just not getting the cut through. Uh, you know, you don't feel like you're being heard or listened to. You had an amazing... I think very purposeful way that you dealt with that. I just wonder if you might share that with the audience as well. Sure, I, I, I would love to do that. Um, I find that when people talk about, um, especially male leaders and what can they do to make things better, um, I, I find that opaque and high level feedback is just not helpful. And so I have some very specific tactical feedback uh, that I can offer up for people that are trying to support women mm. uh, around the table. 
I had a situation many years ago where I had a uh, male boss, very senior, very seasoned male boss. And uh, I found that when we were in meetings, uh, I found that, uh, you know, things would not go well uh, for me in terms of I would feel a bit disrespected. Uh, I would feel a bit cut off. I'd feel like uh, a bit dismissed. And I, I started to see that that was impacting my leadership effectiveness when we left the room or left the meetings, right? And, and so I, I sat down with him and I, I, I thought, you know what, I have to assume that he's not doing this intentionally. And, and he wasn't a bad person. He wasn't a malicious person. Uh, I think that he just didn't know. And I asked, I sat down with him and what I asked him was, I said, can you help me uh, with my leadership effectiveness and very specifically uh, around a dynamic that I see that happens when we're in meetings uh, with my peers or with other people. And he was very receptive to hearing what I was about to say. And what I said was, uh, it, I really appreciate it um, that when we are in meetings with others, it would help me if you could actively do three things that, that, that are dynamic that I see in the meetings. Just do three things. And these three things will improve my leadership effectiveness and that will generate better business outcomes for the organization. Mm -hmm. And he said, okay, what are they? And I said, well, when we're in meetings with other people, can you be mindful about agreeing with me a little more and being vocal about that? Uh, and seek out opportunities to be vocally supportive of my ideas. And by agreeing with me a little more, that will help me. Mm. Second, secondly, what I said was, can you be equally mindful uh, and intentional about disagreeing with me a little less? This one was particularly important because I felt like when I tabled an idea, it was quick to be, you know, a, a reason why it wasn't going to work, etc. And that's a very powerful, shutting something down is very, very powerful in undermining your ability to be effective, I find. Mm -hmm. So I said, can you, can you please, you know, hold back maybe a little bit and disagree with me a little less? I think that would help. And then lastly, I said, it would also really help me if you could be intentional about asking me for my opinion when we're in meetings and in discussions with peers or others, uh, that will help establish the fact that, you know, it'll change the narrative, I think too, or improve the narrative that you value me. Mm -hmm. And if you value me, then I know that others will. And I think that the reverse is also true. So if, if, if you're, if you're, if you're, if you're, you know, if you're not agreeing with me, if you're disagreeing with me a lot, and if you're never asking me for my opinion, uh, then my ability to be successful and effective in my own role is low. And that'll mean that we're not going to get to the business outcomes that I know you want. And, you know, he was, uh, he was, he was very thoughtful in how he considered my feedback, and he took it, and, and things changed. And so I was like, thank you so much. And he goes, well, it was really easy because what, you know, you showed me what I could do and I know when I can do that. And, and, and I saw the value in doing that and he did it. So I, I encourage other people to, to think about that as well, because I think it could be a very useful tool. Um, I think that's absolutely fantastic. And I, I think that will be enormously helpful for a lot of people just to have that very practical way to approach a situation that I know a lot of people feel uncomfortable about. Juggy, um, I also want to ask about your team. Um, you know, I think you've been very intentional in building a very diverse team. I just wonder if you can, what does that look like? What does that feel like? 
Uh, thank you uh, for the question, Melissa. Um, I, I think uh, just a couple things from my perspective. Like I, I have spent most of my career being the only woman, being the youngest, although that is now leaving me, but being the only youngest person at the table and, uh, and being uh, you know, an ethnic minority. And, and I often didn't ever think of myself in those three terms. And so, you know, to your earlier question, as you're getting older and as you're, you know, rising in your career, that representation matters a lot more to other people. And then you start to see how they see you. Mm -hmm. And they do see you as a woman. They do see you as an ethnic minority. They do see you as maybe somebody who is young. And, and it's really important to understand that. And so from my perspective, I, I felt that that has to change. Like, you know, I, you know, I feel really bold by saying this, right? But when you think about Kamala Harris, and what her mom told her, mm -hmm. which is, you know, you may be the first, but make sure you're not the last. Mm -hmm. uh, I think that's exceptional advice. And I, I feel that deep into my bones. And, you know, my own mom says stuff like that to me and has mm -hmm. since I was a young girl. So for me, it was, you know what, as you are rising, lift while you climb has always been a motto for me. And, you know, when you are in positions of authority, go and make those changes that you know need to happen and be deliberate about it. And so what that looks like for me in my work setting is that we should look a little more like the customers that we're trying to serve as a proxy for getting better, you know, customer insight and understanding our customers better. Mm -hmm. And the premise there is if you understand your customers better, then chances are you'll have better business outcomes, right? So this is how I believe that diversity will land us into a position of better business outcomes because we'll have better customer connect connectivity. And so in, in, in my country, what that looks like for us is more women, uh, more ethnic minorities, and to make sure that we've got, you know, an inclusive view. Mm -hmm. So what, what not everyone has the ability or opportunity like I did, which was to build my consumer health team in particular from the ground up. Mm -hmm. uh, I was, you know, had no team when I started this a, a few years ago. And so I, I, I tried to be very intentional, intentional about how I built out that diverse view of looking more like our customers. So we're at a point now where, you know, 73% of my team, and remembering we're a P&L business unit, uh, you know, 73% of my team identify as female and 47% of my team identifies as being a member of the BIPOC community. And I'm really proud of that because you, you might see that in HR areas, you might see it in call center areas or frontline roles, but you know, our area is a full profit and loss business unit division. And, uh, and you know, we're serving you know, Canadians every day with driving better healthcare outcomes. And it's important to me that we have a diverse team. And it, it, it means inclusiveness though, Melissa, that I would say. So some of the strongest champions for women on my team are men. And, uh, and so I, I just when we think about driving diverse outcomes, it doesn't mean that it always has to be, you know, a woman doing it. Uh, you know, there are there is absolutely role and opportunity. And frankly, we cannot do it without the support of men. And so, you know, on my particular team, I've got, you know, three uh, male heads uh, of, of product uh, divisions. And, you know, they're incredible, incredible champions of women. And they've helped me build that team with that outcome. So I just think that when you're building that diverse team, uh, diversity doesn't always just come from women or always come from people that are, uh, you know, up for coming from a diverse place. Uh, it can come from everyone. And if you're intentional about it, you'll get to the outcomes that you're looking for. And, you know, I track it and I watch it and I make sure that we're there to the point where I hate to even say this, okay, but to the point where I'm telling the team, 
we need some more men on the team, you guys, because we need to be a bit more diverse that way now because we've we've gone really far, uh, perhaps uh, further than what I what I maybe think is necessary as we're as we're building this out. But it's been a great example. Other people have followed that example now. They know what some of the numbers look like, and you know I'm championing a lot of incredible women leaders and giving them opportunities to shine. And you know they're taking that opportunity and they're delivering. So they deserve to they deserve to have the the championism that I'm giving them. Juggy, congratulations on that. Um, I just wanted to ask you, a lot of um, a lot of women share that uh, they're uncomfortable um, asking for salary increases or, you know, sometimes uncomfortable putting themselves forward into new positions unless they feel that they're 100% ready for them. Um, I do like to ask everyone, have you negotiated for a salary increase in your time? <laughs> Many times. And, uh, and have been largely successful, uh, I would say, on that front. I, I think that there are dimensions and conditions that you need in order to be able to be successful in doing that. So you've got to have the right timing. You've got to have the right, you know, transactional change in terms of why this is required. And you've got to have, uh, you know, the right track record to, to demonstrate that, 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 that you should be, you're deserving of it. So you, there are some conditions that you might not necessarily control. But beyond that, you know, be bold about it uh, and know your worth and, and then be prepared to make the right decisions when you feel your worth is not being recognized, when you force yourself to look at it objectively. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I think that that's really important as you're going through that process. But as a leader, what I would say is, you know, when you have an opportunity to set an example, you should do it. And so, like, as an example, recently, I had um, a new hire come in and she was a woman and, uh, and she, she was advocating for a raise for herself and, you know, the organization and the construct around it. And we had many different people involved because it was of a senior type of a role. And, you know, people were like, no, no, you know, it's like, you know, this is setting the wrong precedent. And, you know, you know we don't think that this is reasonable, et cetera. And so I, I always look for teaching moments, right? So I, I felt like this, I, first of all, I agreed that she needed actually to get more money. Mm-hmm. But secondly, here, what I saw was a woman who's advocating for herself with the right conditions. And it's hard to do that as a woman. Yes. And, and, I, and I feel this organizational push to not allow it to happen. And so I took that opportunity to make it a teachable moment for the broad team across the organization to say, do you know how difficult it is for women to actually do this and do this successfully? Point number one. Point number two, she deserves it. Her, she knows her value. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I remember hearing this comment, she's got us over a barrel because she knows we really need her. And I'm like, good, because, you know, she, she knows her value and she knows her worth. And so whilst I'm not going to give her exactly what she wants, I want you to see that she deserves it. We're going to give her some of it. Okay. And, and we're going to satisfy her on this front. And I think I need you guys to kind of go back and think about what experience we just went through. And, 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 and leverage this in other encounters that you might have as you go forward in your career and, and your journeys at setting compensation for, for women in particular, mm-hmm. uh, and also with minorities. So we gave her a raise, she was happy. And you know she feels good about it, I feel good about it. And hopefully some other leaders in the organization have taken a good, um, a good lesson in terms of how to deal with this in the future when they and encounter you, it again. You know, you've got a, a team member there who you know has got those skills and they're now gonna get deployed across your organization. You know, I always had yeah. a little bit of a laugh when people felt uncomfortable with pe- people sort of negotiating for their salary on the way in. It's like, they're coming into a senior role. One of the core skills we're looking for them to be able to do is to negotiate outcomes. Um, right. Yeah. 
Exactly. So you hit the nail on the head, right? So if I'm going to have this person negotiating, you know, hundred million dollar deals with other organizations or other partnerships, shouldn't they at least be able to do that for themselves that's and right. without, you know, being punished for it? Like, in that's fact, right. that's the skill that we need them to have. So yeah. you have to do it respectfully. And I think that like, that's really important. The tact that you take when you do it, I think is important so that, you know, you, you, you can leave it in a good place in terms of relationships as you go through it, yeah. but advocating for yourself and, and challenging the status quo and knowing your worth, I, I think should be rewarded. Jackie, I have a little bit of a theory around, um, leadership and it links back to the self-awareness comment we were having before but you know I, people are very busy um, they're very busy doing 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 and you know a lot in terms of their career in terms of doing and climbing and doing and, and juggling and all those sorts of things and that perhaps people don't often spend enough time just sitting down and and really thinking about who they are as a leader I'm not sure if that resonates for you at all but you know, I'd love your thoughts on that. And I'd also love if, you know, you could share with us, you know, the top three things you think people should ask themselves to improve their own leadership. That's a, that's a great question. I, I, I think uh, really importantly, I'm still in my own journey mm. and, and I'm committed to a lifelong uh, learning journey. Mm. Uh, so I expect to still make mistakes. I hope that I learn from them. Uh, and I hope that, you know, the one thing that stays constant is that I'm always growing. Mm. And, and I think that, you know, it's important to be open, to be vulnerable, uh, to fail still, even at this level, uh, and, uh, and to do that. So I think from, from, a, from a leadership perspective, you know, I, to be very honest with you, I go to bed at night, every night, thinking about all the things I did wrong, all the things that I could have done better. Um, and, uh, you know, the greatest competitor that I'll ever have is myself, uh, and I hold myself to a, a high standard. So I'm, you know, really hard on myself. No one can be harder on me than I am. Maybe my mom. Okay. But really it's, it's just me against what I think I should be doing and what I think I, I, I can be doing and, and how I can do it. And then I think that sort of the purpose side of my life makes that even heavier and harder. So I spend a lot of my time, as I mentioned earlier, like in my job mm -hmm. uh, and, you know, I working around the clock. I'm not proud of that actually. Uh, and, and, you know, that's not a humble brag for me. I, yeah. I'm concerned about my own mental health and my ability uh, to sustain the COVID pandemic has disproportionately affected my area because we're delivering healthcare when people need it the most. Yeah. And, you know, that means that you have their, you know, their foot on the gas and you have to deliver against uh, this. And for me personally, based on the purposeful life that I want to lead, and I talked to you about my mom's story and what I'm here to do, uh, that means that it's, it means that much more to me to make sure that we get it right. So it's hard. I would say, um, and, and, and what I'm saying is I bear that responsibility and I take that very seriously. And I'm sometimes a little concerned about you know, what type of balance that I'm building in my own life uh, and in my family. So that, that's something I live with and, and I'm constantly working on. I think on, you know, three things that, you know, maybe everyone could think about in terms of asking themselves to improve their own leadership is the first, which I've, I've, I've highlighted a couple times in different ways, but, you know, where and with who are you spending most of your time? Mm. And like, like I said, the most important thing, the most valuable asset that we have that we're never, ever going to get back is time. Mm. So at least can you do an audit and make sure 
that you're spending the time where you think you should with the people that you think you should. Uh, and, uh, and so that's, I think, a question that I would, I would encourage everybody to continuously ask themselves of. It's the most critical resource you've got. I think the second one, uh, second question is, you know, are you having an impact? Mm -hmm. Does it matter what you're doing? And then thirdly is, you know, are you getting better? Are you growing? So I, I would keep it as simple as that, Melissa. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, if you, you do have time to sit with yourself and ask yourself those types of questions, I think that if you're honest with yourself uh, and you spend enough time, you'll get the answers that will be really important guides so that you can live a content you know, life and a fulfilled life. Because I really believe that that's important at the end of the day. And, and COVID and the pandemic has taught us that, I think more than probably any other time in my generation anyway, uh, is you know, time is the most important thing that you've got. Are you, are you spending in the way you want to with the people that you should? And are you having an impact? And are you growing and getting better? Um, those Jackie, are the they're, um, they're amazing questions and I got uh, goosebumps while you were talking about some of those. When, when that little voice comes up, you know, or you're laying in bed at night and you're taking yourself back through a situation that, you know, maybe you wish you'd handled better or something along those lines, how do you, um, you know, how do you deal with that and move on and get up and, and jump into the next day? Um, hard it's not easy okay uh and i'm open to suggestions on this front actually but i think that when you make a mistake maybe i'll frame it in this way is uh you know when i make mistakes uh and so when i do uh you know the, the probably the most important thing to do when when you or your team has made a mistake is when you're looking at that situation i think the most important question that i ask myself or ask my team to ask themselves is what would knowing what you know now what would you have done differently mm. if you had the chance mm. and i hope there's an answer okay on, on that front if if you completely don't control the situation ultimately you still control yourself so maybe you would have a uh, perspective on handling yourself perhaps differently even yeah. when you don't control the dynamics right but but that that sort of reflection i think is very valuable and very important and so then if you say hmm I maybe would have done that differently. I maybe would have changed this. I maybe would have, you know, approached this a little bit differently. Then from my perspective, it's like, great. The, then that mistake has offered you learning, has offered you growth. You won't have to live through that pain again, hopefully, mm -hmm. and then move on. Uh, and so then it lets you, you know, not dwell on the situation because you've done that forensic on that situation and now you can move on. It's easier said than done, I would say, Melissa, yeah. uh, as, especially when it relates to like relationship challenges that you might be having uh, at work. And, you know, those are probably the hardest ones to uh, recover and to sustain. But, you know, uh, from a project or program uh, management perspective, there's usually things that you could easily have done differently and, and you know, you will do that next time. So that's how I'd handle that. I hear um, elements in our conversation of, you know, maybe a transition through your career from, from you know, maybe a, a fixed mindset to a real growth yeah. mindset. And that fixed mindset, yeah. um, you know, I think can come out of schooling where an A plus is the ultimate um, achievement. And yet a growth mindset comes out of the, you know, the question that, you know, I, I can't do that yet. Um, yes. But, but yeah. you know, I will be able to, I just can't do that yet. And I'm learning and growing. Juggy, um, I would love to ask you the question I ask um, everybody um, at the end of the interview is, from your perspective, what does brave feminine leadership look like? 
and do you think it needs to change? I, I think to me, uh, brave feminine leadership means courageously, unapologetically, inclusively leading with your head and your heart. It means that when you're in a position of authority, make the changes that you know need to happen and do it quickly, don't hesitate. Mm -hmm. That's what it means to me. And you know, does it need to change? I think it's already changing. Mm. And, and, and I'm really excited about that. I, I, I see this change. We have a long way to go, okay, globally. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, I'm, I'm personally very worried about the impact uh, that COVID is, ha is having on us. And what do I mean specifically? I, I really am concerned about women being left behind as a result of COVID. The burden on working moms during COVID has been disproportionately bad. Mm. And I think while people love the idea of working from home after this is over, I worry that it's going to disadvantage people from a career advancement perspective, uh, out of sight, out of mind, perhaps as we kind of go back to the office in some way. Uh, and I don't want that to be a setback for women. Uh, and again, particularly uh, working young mothers. So I think there's an opportunity that as when you're in a leadership role to look out for those people and make sure that you're keeping them top of mind. And so um, I think that, uh, you know, brave feminine leadership, I think is already happening. I'm starting to see more women in more senior roles. And I would just ask and implore those women to, you know, lift while they climb and pull other people along with them. And then we'll get to that critical mass that, you know, the world needs to see of people leading with head and heart. Can you, you flagged for me a question that I know will be of interest to our audience and it's, it's come through from them is, you know, COVID has also displaced a number of women in their early 50s. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I just, I wonder whether you um, have any advice or thoughts um, about, you know, and, and some of the questions that they're asking are, am I considered too old to, you know, to get back in? I'm going for other jobs and people are looking for, for younger people with a longer career span ahead of them. You know, does that trigger anything for you? Yes. And my advice to those people is don't, don't get in your own way. Mm. I, I've shared with you today that I told my team that I need people that are, you know, probably need more men on the team. You know, I need that. I need to go back to some of that from a diversity standpoint. The other thing is, is I, I have recognized that I need more senior, senior seasoned leaders. Mm. And I think that COVID has had a disproportionate impact on the younger adults that are out there, right? The social isolation hurts them more than it hurts somebody that's in their 40s or 50s with a family, as an example, right? And so I, I find that what I've recognized is there's more grit and resiliency in the older population. Mm -hmm. And, you know, not that 55 is very old, but I would just say that, you know, don't get in your own way on this. You know, that's a differentiator for you. Go and get there. And if, if you feel you're deserving of it and you can sell yourself on that and sell yourself on the wisdom, the grit, the resiliency, the experiences that you've had that can help weather other challenges that the organization might have, go get it. Uh, you know, if you think that you're not deserving of it, if you think that no one's really interested in, in what you have to offer, then that's probably what you're going to find. And I, I often always say that you're always going to find what you're looking for. Uh, so if you're looking for that, truly that opportunity, um, I would never look away at someone who's 55 years old. 
I would probably say, wow, this person probably has a lot of wisdom and they could probably help me lead some of the other people that are on this team that are a lot younger. And I think that, you know, age diversity is as important as some of the other dimensions of diversity that we've talked about. Juggy, amazing. You may start to see some applications coming from people I'd in love Australia. It. <laughs> Come on down. Um, Our borders are opening. <laughs> ours aren't at this stage, but it will happen. Juggy, it's amazing to have the chance to have a conversation with you. And thank you. Um, you know, you just speak volumes about, you made a comment earlier about your diaries busy. It's been extraordinarily busy through this period. But your willingness to say yes to conversations like this, uh, you know, I think is just so greatly appreciated. So my enormous thanks to you. Thank you, Melissa, that I, I take so much from this experience myself, and you have offered me an opportunity to pause and reflect, and that is a great gift. So thank you so much, and I, and I hope uh, that your viewers have seen or heard things that are going to be helpful to them, uh, and if they are thinking about Canada, please come. I am looking to hire people, okay? And, uh, and I thank you so much for the opportunity to reflect and go on this uh, reflective journey with you. Thank you. Hello there. If you're enjoying the podcast and would love to accelerate your own growth and leadership, then head to bravefeminineleadership.com forward slash brave tips for your gift from me, where I've captured all of the amazing tips and themes that came out of these conversations. I hope they help you feel your brave rising.